Matthew chapter number 1, we began last Wednesday in a series on the characters around the Christmas cradle. And we're looking at some characters uh, around the Christmas story. And last week we, let, we, we dealt with Mary and her obedience to the Lord and uh, her giving her life. Now, even in last Sunday night, we dealt with Mary a little bit more. And, of course, uh, we dealt with Joseph a little bit on Sunday night, but we're going to look a little bit more details uh, tonight about Joseph. And Joseph is a character that gets overshadowed in the Christmas story. And uh, a lot of times he is overlooked. And even some would say he's not significant to the story. But I believe Joseph is very significant to the story and has a very big role in the story. I, I, I preached on, you know, last, um, last Wednesday I gave you some some literary terms, gave you literary terms about the protagonist, right, as the main character of the story, and that's Jesus, and then the deuteragonist, I guess I'm pronouncing that right, is the, the second main character in the story. I said that I gave you that I thought that that was Mary, was the second most important character in the story. And I think when we got home that night, or maybe yesterday, or the next day, uh, Nolan asked me, well, if, if Mary's number two, who do you think's number three? And I said, well, I think maybe Joseph. And I can't remember who Nolan said it was. He thought it was somebody else. And I said, well, I'm preaching next week, so I'm going to say it's Joseph. So when you get to preach, you can claim who it is. I don't know who number three really is. I really don't. Uh, but I do believe Joseph is more important than maybe we think sometimes. And uh, what I, we can see about the character or the, this character, and y'all understand when I say character, I don't mean a fictional character. I mean just a player in the story, a person in the story. I think we can see something about Joseph's life that I believe I want to apply to my life. Some things that, that I see that he did that I want to apply and be better at and do more of in my life. And so um, I believe this, that Joseph learns how to align his life to God's plan as God is leading we see Joseph follow the leadership of God. And I think it's interesting to note here before we read and get into the Bible in just a minute, you don't find a single word of Joseph recorded in all the Bible. You never read of Joseph speaking. And I don't know that that means anything other than we do find Joseph following God's will, but we don't ever see him speaking. I'll just say this, that they, there are some times where, where God will give you leadership and it make you an example. And you don't have to be in the spotlight. And you don't have to even have necessarily a, vo a strong voice or a, a powerful voice. What I mean by that is a voice that everybody knows and everybody sees and hears or whatever. Uh, Joseph never is recorded speaking. But when we do find, and, we, and, we, and, really, uh, and, and really there's not a whole lot about Joseph even further on in the story. But the parts we do know about Joseph, they're important. And they are a very big example to our lives. And so let's look in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. The Bible says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. We're going to come back to that phrase in just a moment. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Notice here, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had, had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you help us pray? And then I'll try to bring the message from God's eternal word. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for this evening. Thank you for Wednesday night church. Thank you for an opportunity to come and sing songs to you and about you. Then to be able to uh, share our burdens one with another and ask our brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for things that are on our heart, things that uh, we desire to be prayed over and things that we desire you to, to, to answer and to touch and people we desire you to help. And God, thank you for the season of prayer be able to have, Lord, to be able to pray with one another and for one another. Then thank you for the Bible, God, to be able to open the Word of God and to learn more out of the Word of God how we ought to live. And God, I'm so thankful that you didn't uh, give us, uh, uh, I'm thankful that you did give us clear directions on how to live our life. And I'm glad that you left us a Bible, God, to be able to direct our path and to guide our feet. And Lord, I pray that we line our lives up more with the Word of God. And then I pray tonight as we examine this man named Joseph, we do realize he's just a human, he's just a man, but you set him in this Bible as an example to us. And I pray God we learn from this example and be a better person, a better Christian as we leave here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, the first thing I want to talk about with Joseph, just real quickly, is mentioned this that's not in the text. It's found later on in Matthew, Matthew 13, we find out that Joseph was a carpenter. I see Joseph as a carpenter and that trade as a carpenter would mean that he would be a man of work. He is a man of work. This man was, a, I believe Joseph was a man that wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He was a handyman. He was a tradesman, a craftsman, and he would be able to use things like wood, of course, and stone and metal, and he was able to shape that wood and that stone and that metal into different types of pieces, maybe of furniture or maybe of, of infrastructure and and and, and, and and Joseph was a carpenter. And he said, why would you bring that out first? Because I believe this, that as a carpenter, Joseph faced many challenges as a carpenter. There had to be many times where he had to uh, maybe go into a job where uh, that, that, that maybe the customer was asking something of Joseph that he had never done before. Maybe something he had never heard of before. Uh, maybe he had had that customer who said, I have never seen this before, but I'd really like this and this and this in my home. And I I just thought you'd be the man to do it. And Joseph would have to maybe dream that up and try to figure out how in the world am I going to make that work? Or, or maybe uh, there were different types of uh, difficulties that he would have, maybe working with a certain material that he would say, hey, I've never really worked uh, with this particular material. I've never really done this particular thing with it. And there were many challenges in the work as a carpenter. And I just believe Joseph was a man that didn't run from a challenge, that didn't run when work got hard, but he was one that just took his nose to the grind and he worked through the problems, he worked through the challenges and he might have had to dream some stuff up, he had to scheme some stuff up, but he worked and he did. And I'll say this, though he had challenges in his work, he had never, ever, ever faced a challenge like he does on the night that we read about here. 
There's no challenge he ever faced at work like the challenge he's facing now in his personal life. And so next I want to look at the challenge that Joseph is experiencing. Look in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother was a spouse to Joseph before they came together. We've talked about this already, but I want to just say it again. Just hit the highlights here. An espousal, a betrothal period was, was not just like an engagement like we would treat one today where it's just an unofficial, you know, engagements are unofficial. It don't matter how many hashtags you make up and how many post pictures you post online. Uh, an engagement is not a legally binding thing in our society. But in those days, in that society, an espousal period was a legal binding covenant. You actually had to make that espousal period or that covenant with, with at least two witnesses that were involved in that. And what you were saying is for a year's time, you are going to remain pure. You're going to remain faithful to one another. After a year's time, then you would come together in marriage. Matter of fact, it was almost, it was almost, you, you actually would even begin to call, call that would be the wife and this would be the husband. And uh, and you were you you acted like you were uh, were had a husband or a wife as far as uh, being faithful to them. You were not courting around with somebody else. wasn't dating around in that year's time. You wasn't partying up and sowing a bunch of wild oats. You wasn't having a bachelorette party and a bachelor party where you're doing a bunch of wild and crazy stuff right before you get married. They were they were they were settling everything down for a year. They were settling everything out. They, this is going to we are going to get married at the end of this period. It is a legal bond thing. And so that's what the Bible says in verse 18. They were a spouse one to another. Before they came together, they had not come together in marriage. They had not consummated that marriage yet in a physical relationship. And so before they come together, look at what the Bible says. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to say that stuck out to me this week as I was studying that out. I'll be honest with you, I had never paid attention to that phrase there, found with child. Be honest with you, I'd read past this I don't know how many times in my life. I had read through this verse and read through these verses and read through this story and never thought, found with child. What, what does that mean? Well, then I just started doing a little bit more thinking and searching and meditating and, and then looking in the Bible. And, and what I find is that, that this espousal period, there was very little, if any, contact with one another. I found out that, that in that year-long spousal period, they didn't get together and go on dates, and they, didn't, they definitely didn't hug up and kiss all over each other just because they's engaged uh, to take their little engagement pictures. By the way, just saying this for the young people here, just because you're getting engaged does not give you right to be hugging and kissing all over each other. Amen. The Bible is still right about you not touching on each other till you're married. Amen. You can like it or lump it, but it's still Bible. Amen. And so there's my little that don't cost you nothing extra. But they, they wouldn't do it. They had very little contact one with another. They, 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 they may not even talk. Of course, they couldn't text each other, right? They'd have phones they can call each other on. They couldn't FaceTime each other or, or whatever else, uh, how y'all communicate and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and writing a letter, uh, I mean, might have been an option, but, but I'm sure the Postal Service didn't run every day like it does here. I mean, I don't know all the, all the uh, details of that, but that, I did read that in that spousal period, they didn't just hang out all the time together. And so I always had in my mind, I gave it to you on Sunday night even, that how does Mary go and tell Joseph this, this, this situation? But when you read the story and you try to line up all the chronological stuff, 
Really, it sounds, seems to me as if Mary finds out about this and, it, and she goes to her cousin Elizabeth. And for three months, she stays with Elizabeth and Zechariah. That's John the Baptist's mom and daddy, right? She goes to Elizabeth and she's there even when Elizabeth gives birth to John the Baptist. So she's been gone for three months. And y'all know what happens after three months of being expecting? You ain't going to hide it no more, right? Three months of expecting, people's going to know. People's going to find out. People, you're going to start to, so you're going to be found out that you're expecting. Three months away, she again hadn't had a cell phone to call or text. Joseph, she had good parents that didn't let her have uh, social media and Snapchat and all that other stuff. She had good parents that didn't let them be connected to the internet. And so I'm kind of being facetious there. But anyway, uh, she could, so three months she's gone away. She comes back. And it, it, it could be, it is very probable that she ain't even the one that told Joseph she's expecting. It's very probable that as she comes back into town, other people find out that she's expecting and goes back and tells Joseph. Now, I am simply, we do not know how Joseph found out, but we do not have it recorded that Mary told him. Now, so I would be just as right to assume that she did, and I'd be just as right to assume that she didn't, but when I started looking more about that, she was found found with child, it just kind of sparked my interest about what was that going on. And I thought, well, then you read in Luke, she goes over to, to Elizabeth and Zacharias for that time period. And maybe on her way back, somebody sees her. Or maybe on her way back, somebody talks to her. Or maybe, I don't know how it all come about, but hey, you watch this. We know this. When she gets down there to Elizabeth and Zachariah, they know what's going on, don't they? Right? God had already revealed to them who their son was going to be. And uh, then, of course, when Mary shows up, Elizabeth, that's when John the Baptist leaps in the womb and all that kind of stuff. Elizabeth knows what's going on. So we don't know. But anyway, somehow Joseph finds out, all right? Now you think about this. Joseph hears the news somehow, whether it be from Mary or somebody else, that she's expecting a baby. And now there's a challenge here is what I'm saying. Joseph is in a dilemma he's got to make some decision and some adjustment in his life concerning this espousal to Mary. Okay? And so he's thinking, listen, he's thinking the worst. And why wouldn't he? He has no reason not to think the worst. And I, and I thought about this. I believe this had to be very shocking to Joseph because I got to think that Joseph would have thought that, that Mary was an impeccable girl. Like, like Joseph wanted to marry her, so Joseph thought this girl was a, a good girl. Nobody wants to marry a bad girl. And so, so he, he obviously thought she was an impeccable. He, he probably had thought her behavior had always been above reproach. She'd always had, a, had an air of holiness about her. So there's a shock factor to this. Joseph is shocking. I mean, he's shocked that he's hearing this news. That Mary is expecting. And then you got to think all of his hopes and his anticipation of having Mary as his wife, they were all shattered. I mean, his heart is broken. Understandably so, right? He's, he's getting married. And now he's found out the woman he's going to marry has been unfaithful. She has betrayed his trust. And then 
I think about the reproach that not only is going to be brought on Mary, but it's going to be brought on Joseph. Because guess, if everybody in town finds out she's expecting to guess who the number one suspect's going to be? Joseph. And now not only is her, her purity called into question, now his purity is going to be called into question. Because everybody's going to say that's Joseph's baby. And so the reproach that's going to be brought on, and so here it is, Joseph knows this is not his baby. Joseph knows that's not his child. So now Joseph's faced with a decision. Does he stay with Mary? Does he bring her story out in the public, bring charges against her that she might be stoned to death according to law? Or does he quietly put her away? So that's the dilemma he's in. That's the, the challenge that he has. Verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. So now, not only do we see he's a carpenter, he's, a, he's got challenges, but now we see his character. We see the character of Joseph in verse 19. Notice this. I see that Joseph had a character. He was pure. He, he, one of his characteristics was he was a pure man. The Bible says he's a just man. But here's what I find out more than just that one phrase there, a just man, is that this, he's pure because he is not willing to marry a woman who has been unfaithful. He is not going to marry an adulterous woman. The binding of an espousal period was so binding that if you were unfaithful to the other partner, you were an adulteress, just as if you were already fully married. That's how legally binding this contract was, if you could call it that. This co- I should say this covenant would, would be a better word. Uh, and so, so here's what Joseph said. I am not going to marry a woman who's an adulteress. And so we see his purity in that he is choice. He is not going to marry somebody of such low character. Obviously, he, 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 here's Joseph's mind. Obviously, he's thought wrong about her. He thought she was holy. He thought she was a, a, of a good girl. She thought she, he had, she, her behavior was always above reproach. But now, obviously, that's wrong. She's got low character. And I'll tell you what, it'll tell you something about the character of somebody, of who they'll hang out with, who they'll court, who they'll date, who they'll marry. Amen. And so it tells me what high character that, how, how much high character Joseph has or what kind of high character he is that he's not going to marry somebody of low character. We see his purity. Here's how, he's not willing, and watch this, I believe he loved Mary. I believe he loved her. But he's not willing to let his love for Mary compromise his purity. He would give up Mary in order to honor holiness. That's a pure man. That's a pure man. God help us have pure, more purity in our day. We need holiness in our day. That's something that's not preached a lot of times, a lot of places and things like that. We've gotten so lovey, sloppy, goppy, and uh, lovey-dovey in the church. But listen, Christians are supposed to be holy. God said, be ye holy for I am holy. That's what God said. And we need some people. And listen, some ho- and holiness goes beyond just the way I live. It goes, be- it goes beyond that. It's not just how I live. It's how I, how, who I hang out with and how they live. Well, we have watched so many drop their standards for family. 
So many dropped their standard. Oh, they held the line, but then, then them kids didn't hold the line, so they dropped it. Or maybe their kids held the line, but then them grandkids didn't, so they, they just dropped it. Or, or they held the line until their cousin went out. Or they held the line until their brother went out. Or their sister, or whatever. And it's, this Bible's right, no matter if the family lines up with it or not. Right? And so, he did not let his love for Mary trump his love for purity. And he's not going to compromise just because, see, somebody says, well, I just love, I can't help who I love. You sound like a sodomite. That's stupid. You can help that stuff. And watch this, you can love somebody, not yoke up with them. Right? And so he says, I'm not going to compromise. So we see his purity, but watch this, I see his pity. We also see his pity in verse number 19. Look what it says. He was minded to put her away privately. Here, here's, here's the thing. He knows it's going to show up on her, right? It, it's going to come out that she had been unfaithful. It's going to come out that she had, done, she, had, she had done wrong in this espousal period. He could go public with this. He could bring charges against her. Now, that's the way the law worked. It wasn't just because she did the act that all of a sudden she gets stoned to death. The, the, the victim, I would say, if I could use that word, had to brought, bring charges against them. And so he has the option to do that. But he has the option also to let it go privately. So we see his mercy, his pity. He's minded, but he planned, he's, he's going to end this espousal. He's going to end this, this, this engagement but he's going to do it in mercy. He had, a, he had a godly compassion. He's going to deal with sin, but he's going to do it as quietly as possible because he knows it's going to come out, right? The baby's going to get here and she ain't going to be married. There's going to be the reproach enough for that, right? You know, I'll say this, we need to deal with sin we need to hit, hit it on, head on. But I tell you what we ought to do. We ought to do it with mercy and compassion, with the, with the mindset of restoration, with the mindset that, that we're going to deal with this sin in hopes that that person gets right. And if you can deal with it quietly, deal with it quietly. Right? There's some sins. There's some things. That, listen, if it's a public thing, then you've got to deal with it publicly. But if it's a private sin, it ought not be dealt, dealt with publicly. You know, that's what Matthew 18 is all about. It's trying to get that thing right privately so you don't have to go public with it. And so there's mercy, there's pity with, with Joseph. He's got good character is what I'm saying. So we see, again, his challenge. We see his character. But, but I like this in verse number, verse number 20. I like this word. Y'all know I like this word in my Bible. But, I love it. But, man, he's got a dilemma. He's tossing and he's turning. He's thinking about what am I going to do? All right, I've made my decision. I'm going to end the espousal. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it privately. Oh, but I love Mary. Oh, I'm so looking forward to marrying her. I was so looking forward to our life together. Oh, but I've got to do right. God's word is right. God's way is right. I've got to go the way of God. I, and I get this dilemma. This chap, but while he, while he thought on these things. It's almost as if he made this decision, but he's still thinking on this thing. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Now, 
some commentators would say the angel Lord should be translated an angel of the Lord. And here's their reason why, because if it's the angel of the Lord, then it must be a, must be because in the Old Testament we find the angel of the Lord, that's a pre-incarnate picture of Christ. First of all, I think it ought to be the angel of the Lord. You know why? Because that's what it says. <laughs> Amen. That's what it says. And watch this. I have no problem whatsoever to believe that might be Jesus showing up pre-incarnate. Now, I'm not going to try to blow your mind right here. But you say, well, how in the world could Jesus be in the belly of the Mary and show up as an angel, like an angel to Joseph? He's God. <laughs> he do what he want to do. He's God. He can be everywhere at once. He can do it if he wants to. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I'm dogmatic. That's who it was. I'm just saying I have no problem believing that might be who it is. But I know this. The angel of the Lord's right. It, don't, it should not say an angel of the Lord. It should say the angel of the Lord because that's what it says. But here it is. But the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and in a dream saying. So now I see his counsel. I see his counsel. Let's look at the entering of his counsel. I imagine, and again, I don't have anything to prove this, but I imagine Joseph is going to start the process of ending the espousal tomorrow. That's what I believe. I believe that, that he is going to bed that night, and he's, he's, the plan is he leaves tomorrow. He's going home, you know, leaves home tomorrow to start the process, whatever that is, to end this espousal the next day. And right on time, God shows up. Right in the nick of time, God shows up in Joseph's life. He's about to make this huge decision in his life, and God shows up. And the angel, and I notice this, the angel comes in the darkness of night. He comes in a dream. So it means it's at night, and it's darkness of night. I believe that's a picture of the darkness of his heart, of, 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 of Joseph's heart, the darkness of his situation. He, he is, he's in darkness, not because he's evil, but I mean in darkness because he don't know what to do. He don't know where it went wrong. He don't know why this is all happening. Why now? I believe Joseph was a just man because the Bible says it, so I believe he probably thought, well, God, I've been trying to do right. Darkness of his situation, he comes in that dream. I see the entering of the council, but I see the explanation of the council. He tells him how Mary conceived. He says this, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He explains to her how Mary conceived. It's of the Holy Ghost. That's supernatural. There's no other man involved, Joseph. Mary is pure. She didn't run around on you. She didn't betray you. She hadn't turned her back on you. She hadn't been unfaithful to you, Joseph. Mary is still pure. Then he goes on to explain not only how she conceived, but what about the child that she's carrying? And she shall bring forth the son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. Then he goes on to tell about the prophecy that was given. He says this, and that baby's going to be a boy. There's a good test. God is so confident in what he's prophesying, he done gave him a gender reveal. That's a test, isn't it? Well, if that baby would have come out to be a girl, then Mary's a liar, Joseph's a liar. They must have ate bad pizza before I went to bed that night. Right? So it's a boy. 
And watch this. Not only is it, he, gave, he gave him explanation of who that baby is. He's the boy and he's, his name's going, you're going to call him Jesus. And here's why. He's going to save people from their sins. Now, it's interesting. This is in the book of Matthew. This is the royal line. This is the kingly line. This is showing that Joseph line comes all the way right, the right line to be a king that's going to sit on the throne. They're not looking for somebody to save them from their sins. They want somebody to save them from Rome. But the Bible didn't, the angel didn't say he's going to save them from Rome. The Bible said he's going to save them from their sins because their sins need to be dealt with before Rome did. Amen. And so, so, so there's a picture there. Then he goes on to say this. That he said, this is, the, this is a prophecy fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring him forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Joseph, that baby's going to be a boy. You're going to call him Joseph. He, I mean, Jesus, he's going to save people from their sins, and he's God in the flesh. That's who he is. That baby in that womb, that's who he is. And so the explanation, now I'll say this, I believe Joseph's emotions are all mixed up now. I believe, I believe he was depressed and down and out, and all of a sudden an angel shows up and says, Mary didn't cheat on you. Whoa, glory to God. We're staying hitched, amen. <laughs> and then, whoa, whoa, hold on. The baby's who? God in the flesh. Gonna save people from their sins. This is the prophecy Isaiah prophesied of? What? You mean, you mean my wife? You mean the one I'm supposed to marry? Oh, I am calling this thing off. I just got a feeling he's in some roller coasters, right? Woo, we're going to get to get married. Woo, I don't know if I want to marry her now. That's a lot of pressure, right? I mean, I think about the pressure of just raising my kids. And they ain't nowhere near God in the flesh, right? I mean, I just thought, I mean, remember when my wife told me, I can still remember, we were on spring break. In, 20, in 2014, we were on spring break. That morning, woke up to her shouting all over the house. I thought, woman, what are you doing? I'm on spring break. I'm supposed to be able to sleep in. What are you shouting all over the house about? She was so excited. She's finally expecting. We've been praying for four years. And I remember the excitement and the fear all at once. And nobody can explain that emotion until you've been through it. I mean, I just remember like, whoa, 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 hold on. Because for me, that was April, February, I put my notice in. I was going full-time ministry. I put my notice in, I was leaving all kinds of benefits from the state. I put my notice in, I stepped out by faith, going to serve God, because God called me to be a preacher. And so I was going to go be a preacher. That was two months before. Now I'm thinking, I wonder if they'll let me come back. <laughs> I'm wondering if I can take it back, because I ain't got no insurance now, and babies cost a lot of money. And thank the Lord, he directed us and told us we just stayed the right ship and he's, he's took care of us ever since. But I'll say this, I mean, I'm talking about fear and excitement and all. And I'm thinking, man, Joseph's been through a whirlwind tonight. So there's excitement. Okay, she hadn't been unfaithful. Whoo. Man, that's a load. That's pressure. So what does he say? So we see the entering of the council. We see the explanation of the council. Watch this, the exhortation of the council. I mentioned this on Sunday night, so I'm not going to deal there, dwell there, but he says this, fear not. That's what he says to, in verse 20. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. There's some peace there. Don't be afraid to take 
her as your wife. She's not been unfaithful. She's not sinned. It's not a sin for you to take her. There's peace there. And then the fear not, fear not the peace that comes before the big announcement, hey, this is, this is God in the flesh coming. There's a peace there. But then there's a protection. Take her as your wife. Go ahead and take her as your wife to protect her. Why? Protect her purity. Protect her because here's the thing. They go ahead. We get this. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but, but he takes her as his wife. And now when she has the baby, everybody just thinks everything's fine. That's, that's their baby. And here's, here's what I thought about. Later on in the story, in the accounts of Jesus, they call him the son of the carpenter. And it would be a whole lot better for him to be called the son of the carpenter than the son of the harlot. And had Joseph not went ahead and married her, she's going to have this baby and they're not going to be married and everybody's going to look at her as a harlot and unpure. And I'm not sure that people still didn't because when they, when they hear the story later, they start making fun of that, right? They talk about who, you know, do you know who your father is, you know, because they start hearing the story. This, this story becomes public at some point. And so he's to protect her. And last thing I'm done, we see his counsel, but we see his compliance in verse number 24. Notice his compliance. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. We see the moment of compliance. He did not delay. He immediately obeyed the orders from heaven. Instant obedience. Y'all probably heard this before, but slow obedience is no obedience. I tell my kids, I tell our kids at school, instant obedience. Do it, do it when I tell you to. Do it right away. Joseph didn't wait a bunch of, bunch of he, he didn't wait. He got up. He immediately obeyed. But then I see the measure, he, see, he did exactly what was said. Complete obedience. He did exactly what the angel of the Lord told him to do. And then I see the marriage. He went and married Mary. What does that mean? He went to get that protection in. Because again, you know, we, we know the rest of the story, right? We, they, they ended up having to go to Bethlehem. Well, they couldn't do that if they were just in the espousal period. Joseph would have been in Bethlehem paying taxes and, and, and Mary would have been in Nazareth. And Mary would have had the baby in Nazareth if he didn't marry her because he couldn't have took her with her. But God prophesied that baby wasn't going to be born in Nazareth. God prophesied that baby was going to be born in Bethlehem. Right? And so, so that's all part of God's plan. So he marries her. But, but he, doesn't, he doesn't consummate that marriage. He doesn't physically uh, touch her. We see the manners of this obedience as he abstained from physical relationship until after that baby was born. It's what the Bible says in verse 25. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. But here, here's, here's the whole, whole thing in this compliance is the message in the compliance. The end of verse 25, and he called his name Jesus. The message, the message. <clears throat> the message is Jesus. 
See, even though all night tonight we've been dealing with Joseph as a great example, he is a great example. And I'll tell you why he's a great example. Because at the end of all of this, he obeys by telling people about Jesus. He obeys by telling them Jesus is here. The one who will save you from your sins is here. And you know what? How we obey the Lord. You want to know what the will of God for your life is to tell people about Jesus. That's the will of God for your life. It may come in an avenue of the preaching ministry in the pulpit. Or it may come from the Sunday school teaching or the jail ministry or the street ministry. Or it may be just giving a gospel track to those that you see throughout the day. Or it may be just saying, hey, has anybody told you that Jesus Christ loves you today? I mean, we must be telling the world about Jesus today. And that's what Joseph did. The message in his compliance is Jesus and I believe the reason, the reason many people don't want to go and give Jesus' name out, because you give Jesus' name out, you are not going to be popular. You give Jesus' name out, it ain't about you. It's about Jesus. Some are looking for fame and some are looking for fortune. Some are looking for a platform or a plaque on the wall or some name plastered somewhere. When everything, when it's all about Jesus, you might be like Joseph at the end of your life and nobody remembers who you are. Or like that little kid we talked about on Sunday night who thought his name was Round John Virgin. They thought that's, the, they didn't know who the man was in the manger scene. They didn't know who that was. Here's what I see about Joseph in our life. We see him two more times in chapter number two. You can go read it. That's your homework. Go read chapter number two and you're going to find two other times where an angel of the Lord shows up to Joseph in a dream. One time it's to head out from, from Bethlehem and go into Egypt and hide for a little while. And then it's from Egypt to go on back to Nazareth and spend that time. And watch this. He, he immediately obeys. Here's what I wrote down. When you obey God the first time, it's easier the next time. This was huge. Matthew chapter 1, that's huge, him obeying the Lord. But when he does it the first time, chapter 2, easy. The next time in chapter 2, easy. But I'm going to say this, the opposite is true as well. When you disobey God, it's easier the next time. The next time. And I don't mean your life will be easier. I'm just saying you'll just you'll put it off a lot quicker. Joseph's life's a story of a man who lived in obedience. And, at, and throughout his life of obedience, as he obeyed, God gave him the plan. See, God that night didn't say, All right, now that you've obeyed, I'm going to tell you the entire story of what's going to happen. Take Mary as your wife. All right, that's the next step, so that's what he did. The next time God shows up, says, all right, get out of here, go to Egypt. It's not safe here. And that's when Herod comes and kills all the babies. And he just, he just did what he said. All right, now go, you can go back. Herod's dead. He finds out he shouldn't go all the way back, back into Bethlehem. He goes into Nazareth, and that's where he lands. And that's what happens. The next time we hear anything about Joseph is when Mary and Joseph are coming, leaving the temple, Luke chapter 2. They're headed home from the Passover, realize they forgot Jesus. They go back. You know, Joseph doesn't say anything, but Mary says, you know, we've been, we've been worried sick. Where you been? We've been looking for you. We don't read anything else about Joseph. 
But every time we find him, what he when he's involved with something, it's he's obedient. He's obedient. He's obedient. It's a life of obedience. And as he's obedient, God reveals his plan. Joseph's resolve was to immediately follow the will of God for his life. I wonder on Wednesday night, do we have that same resolve? Do we have that same resolve that we are going to immediately follow God's will? I don't know what five years down the road has for me. I don't know what 30 years down the road has for me. I don't even know next week really, but I know tonight what I'm supposed to do. I know tomorrow what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. And as I obey, I trust God will just, he'll, he'll give me the next steps. Once I fulfill these orders, he'll give me the next ones. And I believe that was the life Joseph lived. I believe Joseph was a man of obedience. And I want to be a man that lives a life of obedience to the Lord. And I believe you do too. I'll give you opportunities to think on these things. Maybe the Lord has revealed something in your life that maybe you want to just thank him for. Or maybe something God's revealed in your life you're supposed to be doing and you want to submit yourself to him. Maybe you want to comply to the will of God for your life. It's all right, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. And maybe, maybe just the point of, the point we're talking about our, all of our, for all of us, the will of God for us is to give Jesus. To give Jesus. Maybe you haven't been faithful in that.